A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, and welcome to Eating Fried Chicken in the Shower bonus edition. I'm James Nkise, and with me is Dr. Saab Jahal. Kia ora, James. Um, Saab, we've all gotten shit news. I think part of growing up is uh, you've got to get your fair share of shit news. What are some ways in which we can deal with that? Yeah, you're right. We all get shit news, and sometimes that shit news is about us. Oh, yeah. And what's going on for us. You know, one of those things might be that, you know, maybe we're sick. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we've had a diagnosis. It might be a chronic illness, like something like diabetes. Yeah. Or maybe something that's um, immediately more life-threatening, like cancer. I mean, and for Pacific Islanders, we always have this very gallows humor about gout. You know, right. That's one of the running jokes for Pacific Islanders. If, you know, you get to your 30s and you, you, it's pain, you're like, oh, must be the gout. And right. just watch non-Pacific Islanders go, oh, oh. But, you know, it's, it, that's our coping mechanism is, is a joke for that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, right. So that's interesting, right? So if your culture, your community, your family has a script mm. for dealing with that, then you're probably going to be able to kind of adapt to that information about you more easily right. than someone who doesn't. Maybe you don't have that story yeah. in your family or in, for yourself. I'm not somebody who gets sick, right? I'm bulletproof. Yeah. And now this thing has happened. It fundamentally could change how I see myself your, your and sense how of other identity. people. Yeah, your sense of identity and how other people will see me too. Right. Suddenly they see me as a sick person. Right. So maybe I'm going to keep this on the down low and I'm not going to tell other people, which means that maybe I'm not going to take my medication in public. Right. Which means that perhaps I'm not going to be taking my medication as I should be, right? So it's complex. When we get this information about perhaps our health status or whatever it is that threatens our sense of ourselves and our identity, then it has repercussions like guilt or shame, maybe. You know, maybe this is not something that I thought was going to happen to me and I'm going to find this difficult to deal with. Anger. Mm. There's also another common reaction. Or perhaps maybe sticking your head in the sand about it too. And that can be dangerous, right? Because the evidence is those people who have a plan mm. to deal with whatever it is that they've been told seem to adjust better psychologically and have better outcomes than those people who stick their head in the sand about it. So yes, of course, it's, there's going to be a period of coming to terms with it, but we need to kind of move on from that. That period of, of coming to terms is, is it's what kind of period is it? Is it a grieving period? Is it, is it similar to trauma, which we've talked about in the past? Yeah. Well, some people have said that it's quite similar to the grieving process. You have this kind of like stage of denial, perhaps. You perhaps have um, a stage of anger or maybe bargaining. You know, if I do this, then maybe, <laughs> yeah. you know, this thing will go away. Or if I don't tell these people, then maybe I can keep it quiet and maybe I, my identity doesn't change. It's not simple. And people move through these stages all, all around at once. But it, what we know is that it's complex, right? It's biological. Mm -hmm. It's psychological. And it's emotional. And so unless we deal with all of those things, the medication itself is not going to deal with it. We have yeah. to deal with all the stuff that's going on for us too. And is, that, can it, is it as simple as following you know, the classic steps of going through that? Or uh, can you bypass that? Or is there... 
Or is it just taking the time? It, partly it's taking the time and it's not simple. It doesn't necessarily unfold in a linear way. But like I said before, if there is a script that you have in your family or for yourself with how it is that perhaps you dealt with something similar, you know, so for some families, there's been chronic illness and it's expected. Okay? Yeah. Maybe you hit 40, 50 and they say and they, you know in your family that it's likely that this is going to happen. So you have some preparation and adaptation time for it. Mm. But if it's something that comes out of the blue, then you can expect that it's going to be harder perhaps for you to adapt to that. And so maybe you need to find support group yeah, of right. people who are in a similar position who are also wrestling with this and coming to terms with it where you can then understand how it affects your identity because... It will do for the future. It's something like, um, like I said, like, just stick with gout uh, because it's the one my family knows. But that kind of pain, um, as I understand it, it's, 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 it can just wear away at you. Yeah. You know? yeah. Is there, are, there, are there things we can do to, uh, and I'm really asking from a personal point of view <laughs> now because it's always coming. Yeah. Are there things we can do to, to prepare ourselves? Like if we, if we find out, you know, the doctor goes, your feet are going to hurt for the rest of your life. Yeah. Are there things we can do to, to prepare, like not just with the rhythm and with the friends, but for our own minds? So to understand that actually chronic pain that you're talking about is not simply biological. It's not just the nerve pathway. Right. There's psychological processes in that. You know what it's like, right? So imagine that a little kid has just fallen over in front of you. Mm -hmm. okay? The first thing that they do is they look at your face to see how they should react. Right. Okay, so yeah, they graze yeah. their knee. And if you kind of like get up and go, oh, darling, that looks like it might have hurt. Let's get up. I'll go, come give you a kiss. Mm -hmm. They are perhaps able to move on more than if you go, oh, my God, that's right. awful. And then you say, you must be so hurt. You know, mm -hmm. that's a cue to have for them to be more upset. Mm -hmm. So it's complex. And so we have to understand that when we're going through chronic pain like you describe is that we have to be looking at the biology mm -hmm. the emotional impact and the psychological impact as well which is why when you go and see a doctor they're thinking about your whole self or they should be thinking about your whole self right. not just the medication right because i think a word just jumped out of me you said uh, emotional psychology which we talk about a lot but biology as well yeah are you just talking about diet yeah, so there's, there's diet, uh, there's sleep that has an effect, but there's another really important factor which seems to be really important, which is how you deal with ambiguity, okay? So one of the things there is optimism. Right. Yeah, so how, do you see the glass as half full yeah. or half empty? Can that be biological? Yeah, so it looks like around about 25% of yeah. the variation in the population is biological, okay? 25% <laughs> right. is going to be determined by your genes. It looks like ballpark figure. Yeah. But the good news is that actually the rest of it, you can influence. Now, it might be your family upbringing, where you perhaps are brought up in a family that tends to look more on the bright side of things. Mm. Or it may be that you can actually cultivate optimism by actually taking a step back when it's an ambiguous situation and perhaps challenging yourself to say, hmm, is that a glass that's half empty, like I would normally think? Yeah. Or is there something else going on here which is actually giving me value? Okay. That's, that's, that's really, uh, that's incredible to me because I think we, a lot of us look at people who are overly optimistic and going, oh, you know, but it can actually, they can be born that way. They can actually, they haven't just done some sort of course or something like that. <laughs> They're actually wired up. Yeah. So some people can be more wired up to interpret all those ambiguous situations as much more positive for them. But this isn't just about 
being rah rah positive all the time because mm. it's also important to have that pragmatic realism. Okay, mm. you're not off in fantasy land the whole time and everything is a bed of roses. Mm. Those people who have a truly optimistic outlook mm. are almost stacking, stacking the cards in their favor mm. such that they are looking for the best outcome possible. Mm. And they will look at the world in order to try and bring that about mm. rather than looking for the disastrous outcome. I'm going to put everything on red, but I know everything's going to come out on black. Yeah. Right. This is the sort of thing that they're trying to avoid. Right. They're going to try and say, actually... Perhaps this situation isn't the best, but I'm going to work on everything else that I can control mm. such that I'm going to try and influence this outcome for me to work out really well. Uh, I want to ask you one final question. And again, it's a strangely personal one, uh, but it's not about gout. It's actually about something that I've discovered the last couple of years. I've been having conversations with other performers and um, we noticed that the mixed race kids, mm. as we refer to ourselves, we have our own sort of our, our dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so that dialogue's often around the tensions. I just want to ask, like, is that is that us being a bit sensitive, or mm-hmm. is that a genuine thing? Mm. Do you know what it, it, the researchers are only really starting to uncover this? It does seem to be a genuine thing, but we don't know a huge amount about it. Okay. So one of the things that we do know is that. We tend to think of the world as monoracial. You're either this <laughs> yeah. or that, yeah. right? And to have complexity in that means that, you know, let's say, for example, you've got one parent who's this and one parent is that. If I identify with one particular racial group, am I going to offend the other parents? It's like that clunky term, half caste. Oh, God, I hate that. <laughs> no, I don't right. be, no one is half of anything, right? <laughs> no one is half of anything. Yeah. But what it, it's real, the tension that people right. have and are wrestling with, and even though they may not be able to name it explicitly. Mm. And we know that this changes, right, throughout life. So for me, um, when I was younger, I used to get chased around by skinheads a lot right. in London, right? So one of the things I would do is possibly not have the Indian part of my identity front and center. Yeah. Okay, so it's one of those things that I perhaps embraced a little bit more later when I was able to defend myself mm. or, or put protection measures in place such that I didn't feel so exposed. Yeah. So similarly, people who come from multiracial backgrounds will go through changes with this as well. And that can be disorienting and it's good to talk about this i think i always say it's uh, um, when i'm in new zealand i'm a samoan but when i'm overseas i'm a new zealander which says as much about new zealand society's view of me uh, yeah, <laughs> as, yeah. as, as, I, as i do of myself but i'm very rarely welsh but of course in the samoan society the mother is at the heart of the culture so of course i have to be welsh yes, yes. Uh, but when i'm in wales i let them know i'm a plastic celtic <laughs> <laughs> i'm not walking around going come with a biff to everyone in swansea but it's incredible right so what you're identifying there is it depends who you're talking to right and it depends where you are and that's the bit of your identity that comes to the fore and there is some evidence that those people who come from multiracial backgrounds are actually really skilled at that yeah. they're really good at understanding context and putting the bit of themselves up front which is going to work in that context. Right. So it's actually a real interesting strength of people from multiracial backgrounds. Clinical psychologist Sabja Hal, thank you very much for explaining how I've had a successful career in this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll see you again, my friend. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. 
or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.